Welcome in to the Get Out of Form podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. In this week's episode, I want to talk about the idea of trauma. And I mentioned this back when we were defining terms in that episode. And it's it's kind of trauma really is anything that causes emotional distress, in my opinion. I think it doesn't have to hit the PTSD level post-traumatic stress disorder uh, in order for it to be traumatic. A lot of things can be traumatic, but I have a lot of clients that don't feel like that is, and I've talked about this before, but I wanted to do a bit more of a deep dive on complex PTSD, on big T trauma versus little t trauma, things like that, just so we have a better understanding of what actually is traumatic, because you may be listening to a podcast going, okay, I know where you're I know where you're going with this, Joe. I know what you've said. I know that you think that my porn addiction is caused by trauma. I don't have any trauma. I don't even have the basic traumas. I had a real good relationship with my parents or I had, um, you know, I wasn't bullied in school or whatever it may be. And so people immediately start making excuses because a lot of times they want to believe that there is a negative part of them that they just can't fix. In the religious community, in the religious world, uh, of course, we talk about, well, this is just the flesh. This is the man of sin. I, and I agree with that, that there is this sinful aspect to us, but at the same time, we can kind of just blame that part. Well, it's just sin coming out, but there's nothing really more than that. And, and really what they're trying to do is fix it through behavioral means. Well, this is just a, a behavioral issue, right? This is something that I need to figure out how to shut down the man of sin the, that's continually popping up wanting me to look at porn. And it's really just Satan pushing me toward that. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, Satan does play a role. Yes, Satan does, in my opinion, put things in our path. He does tempt us. But what really is driving us toward the addiction? We've talked about triggers. We've talked about a lot of things on this podcast. I think the reason why trauma is so important in understanding and identifying what trauma comes up for us is that really lays the groundwork for all of our triggers. If we grow up feeling a thousand percent great about ourselves and we really have no negative emotional experience that told us anything negative about ourselves, we're not going to find ourselves being very easily triggered because it's not hitting any underlying core negative belief. I'm unworthy of love. I'm a bad person. I deserve bad things. No one wants to be around me. I am worthy of rejection. All of these things that we believe, yes, it's subconscious, it's all internal, but all these things that we believe about ourselves are really detrimental, but those form the triggers, basically. If we get stressed, and I think I've talked about this before, but like if we get stressed, what is the trigger underneath? Why is stress a trigger for us? We're afraid that if we drop the ball, people will be mad at us. We're afraid that if people get mad at us, they'll reject us. And if they, they reject us, it will prove to ourselves we're unworthy of love. And so we have all of these underlying things to stress. It could be maybe loneliness. Let's say boredom. Boredom is connected to feelings of worthlessness. It's connected to, man, I'm not worth anything. I'm not doing anything actively with my time. Therefore, it's connected to core negative beliefs. Loneliness. When I'm alone, it means nobody wants to be around me. When no one wants to be around me, it means I'm worthy of rejection. Therefore, we've connected once again with the trauma trigger, with this core negative belief that was caused by something that happened long ago. That's why trauma matters when we're working through this addiction. It really does unlock our ability to overcome and to work through and to process through all of the triggers that come our way. We have to take the emotional instability surrounding some of these memories that we have something that happened with our parents, something that happened at school with friends, whatever it may be. We want to take that and we want to we want to turn it down. Maybe it's at an 11 emotionally and sometimes that's all subconscious at an 11. We don't 
actually think about these things until somebody like me as a therapist comes along and starts poking and prodding and saying, what about this? And then you go, whoa, I guess there was a lot more there. I guess I didn't realize how much that affected me. We want to take that from being at 11 and we want to turn that down. And when we turn the dial down and when we really process through the emotions of the addiction, things get a lot better. All of a sudden, we're not triggered quite as much because there's not as much emotional reactivity around it. I don't find myself immediately jumping to, I'm worthless, I'm a horrible person, I'm terrible, I deserve uh, bad things, I'm unworthy of love. No. We went back and we gave ourselves love in that moment and we know we're worthy of love, therefore I don't feel as bad being alone. I don't feel as lonely. I don't mind being bored because boredom doesn't represent for me what it once represented. That's why, once again, trauma is really, really important to work through. It does unlock so much of this addiction for people. Now, what are the ideas behind big T, little t trauma? You may hear differently from different people. Um, I've had it explained a couple different ways, actually. Like big T are events. Little t is less event-oriented, more just time-oriented, something that takes a long time. So, for instance, a car wreck would be a big T trauma. A little t trauma would be like emotional abuse that goes throughout childhood. Then you have others that just say, well, it's the big T traumas are like, you know, the plane crash. The little T traumas are, are the scrape in your knee. Um, it's just small. It's, it's a little one. Yeah, it, it hurts, but it's not as much as if you got in a car wreck or a plane crash or something crazy, right? Something big. And that's the little T trauma. I agree more with the first one. Uh, as a matter of fact, journeypureriver.com. Uh, I looked it up and I thought this one actually had one of the best ways of explaining it, the two main categories of trauma commonly referred to as big T and little t. Big T traumas are the events most commonly associated with post-traumatic stress disorder, including serious injury, sexual violence, or life-threatening experiences. Threats of serious physical injury, death, or sexual violence can cause intense trauma even if the person is never physically harmed. It's just sometimes the threat of it, or even being witness to it, can leave you vulnerable to PTSD, um, is what they go on to say. Little t traumas are highly distressing events that affect individuals on a personal level, but don't fall into the big T category. So it's kind of this third option. It, it agrees a little more with the first one in the fact that examples of little t trauma include non-life-threatening injuries, emotional abuse, but then they also say death of a pet, bullying or harassment, loss of significant relationships. People have unique capacities to handle stress, referred to as resilience, which impacts their ability to cope with trauma. What is highly distressing to one person may not cause the same emotional response in someone else. So the key to understanding little t trauma is to examine how it affects the individual rather than focusing on the event itself. I think that's pretty good. I think the idea of, okay, big T is what would affect everybody, these big moments. Little t is more of a personal thing. The little t traumas that are personal specifically to you. Where I might disagree with that, and the reason why I would agree with the first definition about it being a prolonged experience is, let's say your, your parent is a really bad driver. Let's say there you've been in multiple wrecks, whatever it may be. Now, those are traumatic. The first one probably carries a lot of trauma around it. But the more that you go through it, the less the big emotional experience, unless there's obviously life-threatening injuries, but you get more used to it. At which point, I would say the third, fourth, fifth wreck may be little t. It's something that's prolonged. It's something you're used to. It's something that is no longer carrying the same effect as something that was big that happened. So when we start talking about trauma and I start doing a timeline, everybody jumps to the big T trauma. Everybody says, well, I wasn't sexually abused. It's not like I was in a war or anything. Sometimes they were, but, you know, sometimes there were some serious big uh, T trauma issues in their past. And, and so those are the easy ones to spot. But a lot of times they come with none of that. 
I don't have any of those main memories. I wasn't in some traumatic car wreck. I've never been in the hospital for long periods of time. Most commonly, you see little t traumas, and I would say the most common little t trauma is emotional abuse, and they don't see it as a trauma. Well, this happens to everybody. It's not like I was sexually abused. I wasn't physically abused. My dad didn't beat me. He was just highly manipulative. He was just a really mean person. He, you know, I was just always walking on eggshells around him, or vice versa with the mom, right? It might be the same thing with, with the mom, where you're around this constantly, and there's never any break, and so you're very much under the gun at every point of your, um, of your life growing up. To me, that's one of the strongest or one of the biggest little t traumas, and I think it's because it's sustained. The death of a pet. I don't know, I mean, I guess it's, you might call it little T, but that could be a big T trauma. I've had that on timelines where that devastated the family. Well, it's a personal thing. Yeah, but so is a car wreck in a way. That's why distinguishing based off of what's personal and not, somebody may not be as affected. And I've worked with this where a trauma that you would expect would devastate someone was kind of like water off a duck's back. It wasn't as big a deal to them. They were really able to process through quickly. Whereas something else that you might consider a little t trauma was one of the hardest things to work through. Because, and so often, what causes the issue is their inability to take it seriously. Their inability to see it for what it is. And that, that makes it more complex. That makes it more of an issue where you can't even classify it as a trauma itself. Oh, everybody deals with mean parents from time to time. Oh, everybody deals with XYZ, right? Everybody deals with um, bullying in school for the entire third grade. Everybody kind of deals with that. Maybe so. First off, that's not true. But second off, even if it was so, how did it affect you? We have to think about these things. We have to know. So if the little t trauma is how it affects you, I don't I don't use big t, little t too much. A lot of people do, and that's why I'm addressing it. I didn't use it too much because so many people have different definitions of what they mean. What I fear of using little t to say, oh, the you know your pet dying is a little t trauma. Yeah, basically what people hear is it wasn't that big of a deal. That's a horrible thing to say. That may have been the biggest deal of their childhood. That may have been a really big deal. Who are we to come in and label it as a little t or big t trauma? The reason why I label it as big t being a single event, little t being a prolonged event, is because it makes it more easily understandable. Emotional abuse takes place over a long period of time. Maybe the sexual abuse of, of being molested at one point in time was a big T trauma. But then you could say if you're molested all the way up, is that a big T or a little T trauma? Depends on how you want to say it. If you're using my definition, it'd be a little T trauma. Of But of course, it's on the big scale. That's why it's so dangerous to use the big T, little T. Everything is handled differently and everything is processed differently by different people. So coming back around to it, I guess, and maybe I should have started with this, but coming back around to just to wrap up this this thought on big T, little t, honestly, I would kind of avoid that. Was something emotionally distressing to you? Was something very difficult for you to handle growing up that, man, you just could not make sense of or really caused a lot of negative emotions that you ended up bottling up? You could never say how angry this made you or you were really hurt or you were really sad and it was emotionally distressing. You came home after they put the kick me sign on your back at school one day and you didn't tell anybody. That's traumatic. Well, no, I got, I worked through it. It's fine. It happened. Everybody gets bullied from time to time. No, that is you trying to run away from how difficult that actually is. That's you lying to yourself, in my opinion. If it affected you and it upset you, and if you learn something negative about yourself in that moment, it's traumatic. Hence, they put the kick me sign on me. Oh, it's not that traumatic. Yeah, but you learned that day. I can't trust people. I'm not safe around people. 
and I'm worthy of rejection. And from then on out, you've operated under that premise because you never processed through what it actually felt like to have the kick me sign put on your back. You can convince yourself or attempt to convince yourself all day long that it wasn't actually traumatic because nobody died. Yes, it was. You learned a lot of negative things about yourself in that moment. So I know I'm beating a dead horse, but if you're listening to this and you've been one that's kind of denied that you have these negative things in your past, everything could be trauma. We need to get away from, oh, no, no, trauma is a big thing. Trauma can be big. It can be small. It's, it's all personal. It's individualized to the person. Your dad promising to go on the fishing trip with you and then backing out at the last second, and maybe that happening a couple times, hurts. That hurts. That causes distress. Um, that may be traumatic. Your brother getting in a fight with you that one time, and he said something that just devastated you. That can be traumatic. Your best friend, um, he's hanging out with you until he gets a new best friend and he leaves you. That can be traumatic. So don't pigeonhole yourself and say, I don't have any issues in my past. There's no reason why I would run into porn. All of those may be reasons you start running into porn. Porn is there to pick you up. Porn is not the problem. It is the symptom of the problem. It is the way to work past the problem and, and to kind of forget about it for a moment. So don't allow it. There is some reason why you got into porn, and it's usually surrounding the time you did get into porn. If you got into it around 12, what's going on in your life around 12? If you got into it at 20, what's going on to your life or, uh, in your life around 20? These things matter. Pay attention to what's going on in your life and consider the events and maybe your emotional response to these events. Last, what is complex t uh, PTSD? Complex PTSD, CP CPTSD, as you'll see it sometimes, um, VeryWell.com has some good things on it. What it is, is it's caused by long-lasting trauma that continues or repeats for months, even years. It's typically the result of childhood trauma. Uh, you can just find this right on Google. There's nothing special. Um, and it's not recognized as a distinct condition in the DSM-5. They have PTSD, but not CPTSD. Complex is difficult to define because I'll read you the list of symptoms. This is from, again, VeryWellHealth.com. I think it's .com, but VeryWellHealth. Um, the symptoms include trouble regulating emotions, detachment, negative self-perception, difficulty with relationships, distorted perceptions of the perpetrator, loss of a system of meaning such as faith, hope, core, or core values and beliefs. What's the difficulty with that? That sounds like it could be a whole host of things. That could be poor attachment going all the way back. You could say poor attachment is CPTSD, but not necessarily. Just because you had poor attachment from zero to two and that really set you off on this idea of detachment from people, maybe you had the... Um, disorganized attachment. Obviously, that would be a, I think it's traumatic, but would it classify as that? Everything would potentially classify as difficulty with relationships and trouble regulating emotions. Just because those things are present doesn't make it CPTSD per se. I don't get into the DSM that much. Yes, I know how to use it. Yes, I own it. The DSM-5 can be great, but most of the time people just want to put a label on it. The question is, was it traumatic to you? Was it difficult for you? Well, I don't know if it meets any criteria for CPTSD, what does it matter? Did it hurt you? Are you wounded from it? Are you facing emotional backlash from something that happened in your life? Forget about whether it fits in the, the ICD-11, if it fits in the, uh, the DSM-5, doesn't matter at all. So we look at this, I might have complex CPTSD. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe something happened. Maybe there's an emotional abuse all the way up or physical or sexual abuse all the way up, in which case, yeah, you most definitely have, most likely have that. But if you're looking at this going, man, do I have it? I do have difficulty with relationships. That could be a whole host of things. 
that could be a best friend leaving you at one point. That doesn't necessarily make it CPTSD. It doesn't mean you're going to meet all the symptoms for PTSD just because your best friend ended up leaving you for somebody else. But that certainly does create an emotional wound that has to be cared for. So what I'm saying in all of this, what this ultimately comes down to is be aware and be wary of labels. Everybody wants to put a label on things. This is why the Enneagram is, is so big. This is why the Myers-Briggs is such a big deal, the MBTI. Everybody wants a label. Are you an NFSJ or whatever it may be? I don't care. I don't care. People want to come into therapy and they want to bring this, you know, a lot of these things in of, hey, what if I'm this and what if I'm that? I really don't care. I care how you got there. I care what happened to you. I don't care about the label you've given yourself because I don't want to be pigeonholed into the thinking, oh, you must be an introvert. No, maybe you just have poor attachment. Maybe you were really wounded as a kid and you're not actually an introvert, you're just scared. If I go in with these preconceived ideas of who you are and what you're all about, that really hinders me as a therapist and will hinder you as well. People want to figure out what what thing they're put in. I'm a I'm a two wing three or whatever it may be on the Enneagram. Once again, that means I'm gonna act this way. No, it doesn't. You're an individual. So everybody wants to put on, is this PTSD? Does it, does it, you know, is it complex PTSD? Uh, they want to be diagnosed with these things because they want a simple answer to a complex issue. That's why CPTSD is a thing. It's complex. And people actually, a lot of people like that label of, it is complex. Oh, it's just very difficult to define. It may be, I'm not against you saying that what happened to you is complex. Everybody's complex in their own way. That's really the point I'm making. So don't look at trauma and say, I didn't experience any trauma, or look at your trauma and say, well, I think I struggle with this or that, or it's not quite PTSD levels. Look, did it affect you emotionally negatively? All right, let's talk about it. Let's work through it. That's where porn's going to come from. Don't label yourself. Was it big T trauma? Was it little T trauma? I don't know. Did it negatively affect you emotionally? Did it put you in a really bad position where you started feeling negatively about yourself from that point on? And maybe that's subconscious, maybe you didn't realize it, but as you start thinking about, man, I really don't feel worthy. Where did that come from? And if it came from a specific memory, that memory was traumatic. Does it fit on the ICD-11? Does it fit on the DSM-5? Does it fit on any of these tests? Does it fit on the big T, little T? I don't know. I don't know. Ultimately, I don't really care if it fits on those things. If it hurt you, man, that that's what I care about. That's what matters. You matter. You as the person who's been hurt, you matter. These things that happen to you matter. Whether you can find it on, on a spreadsheet or not doesn't matter. Did it hurt you? Let's work through it. Let's talk about it. Don't pigeonhole yourself. And don't worry about putting labels on what happened to you. All I know is the less labels, the more opportunity we have to identify, correctly identify what has wounded you. And let's go forward from there. That's what pornography is, is rooted in. That's what it's based in, is just these wounds that hurt. So pay attention to yourself. Love yourself. Care enough to be willing to say, maybe not everything that happened to me is sunshine and daisies. Maybe my, I do have a good relationship with my parents, but maybe some of the things they did was not good. Maybe some of the things they did really hurt. And it really did set me on a course where I started to believe these things about myself. I got a great relationship with my parents right now. It doesn't mean it was all sunshine and daisies growing up. Doesn't mean I don't have wounds. Doesn't mean that some of the things that they did, in my opinion, contributed to my addiction, caused me to start seeking some of these things out. I love my parents to death. But some of those things were flat traumatic. Doesn't make them terrible people. Doesn't mean that I'm that that I forever hate them because I've gone back and I've worked through some of those things. Doesn't mean any of those things. It means what I, I take it as it comes. That was traumatic at the time. That caused some negative core beliefs. 
you work through those and we move on and now I can have a really good relationship with them. That's what I hope for you. That's what I hope for you. So once again, hope this is, as I say every time, I hope this is helpful. I hope that you really get that, man, this is a struggle. These things do happen. These things are present in your life, whether you want to admit it or not. And if you're really struggling to admit because your mind goes blank, that's okay. You know, you say, man, I just, I don't know. I've racked my brain. I don't really know what it is. That's okay. Um, if you want to know, obviously, I think that's where therapy comes in. I can certainly try to help with that. But if there is something where you say, yeah, this happened, but I don't think it's traumatic, mm, take a step back. Take a step back. Listen to yourself. Care enough about yourself to be able to label it as it is. That doesn't give you an excuse for everything. It doesn't say, oh, because this trauma happened, all of a sudden I don't bear any responsibility. Of course you do. It doesn't absolve you from responsibility, but it does give context. It helps explain where some of these things come from. So give that to yourself. And with that, do some soul searching. I'm going to wrap up right here. As always, if you have questions, uh, any comments, anything like that, feel free to reach out to me, joewilkiecounseling at gmail.com. But with that, I will talk to you next week.